This message by Noel the Tipping was recorded at the Relational Mission Church Planting Conference 2015 in Berkel, the Netherlands. Uh, Noel phoned me a little while ago and said, Morris, I know you've got a church planting conference coming up. Can you make sure people understand that uh, mission is not alternative to the market? The market is the mission. I said, well, Nolda, you are better qualified than me to come and tell us about this. So she's a busy wife, she's a busy mum, she carries substantial responsibilities in the marketplace. She's booked time off work to come and join us. So I want you to give her a very, very warm welcome. Let's welcome Nolda. Thank you very much. Uh, you are most likely the most scary audience I've ever stood in front, especially this morning when I realized there was a whole army of prophets here. I thought, oh no, <laughs> they will see straight through me. <laughs> so I would like a moment of prayer because I do need it. And I think we all need it uh, because I uh, hope the Holy Spirit is really going to inspire you to uh, look at work in a different way, whether it's paid or unpaid, whether it is raising kids or it is actually... Uh, working with large sums of money, to God it really is not of any significance, and also your social status is not what matters, it is how you do it. So let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, that you give me this opportunity to stand in front of these beautiful people and yeah, to preach about you uh, in, the, in the workplace, about your plan with us, about your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you use me to bring this message into people's hearts, but more of all, I pray that everybody here is going to be equipped in the work in workplaces in wherever people interact with other people that they will be a light that they will shine that people will wonder what is going on here and and become hungry for you yeah we pray for your holy spirit in this meeting in this lecture and or talk we ask this in jesus name amen Okay, so um, since I'm not in the apostolic team and I'm not a regular at this uh, um, type of conference, I thought let's give a little bit of introduction. Also, it might help you to see where I'm coming from. Uh, there's some people who've just been at LEAD. For you, this is uh, maybe slightly boring because I gave a similar introduction. So if you want to get out your phone and start twittering or so, that is fine. Uh, you have my blessing. Um, yeah, we can do the next one. Oh uh, yeah, the light's not great. But anyway, I work in the offshore business. Um, I work for an oil and gas company. Um, after the recording is off, I'll tell you which one. But um, I'm not going to say it now because the company deliberately doesn't want to connect itself to one religion. Uh, so that's the reason why. In lead, everybody asks me, so why are you being so secret? That's just it. It just makes life easier for me and for the company. This next one. Yeah, this is our family, very sweet family. We indeed have three beautiful kids. My husband is there. He's a Brit from Yorkshire. Yay! <laughs> I know now some of the British traditions, some are really strange to me, but uh, we get used to it. He also thinks things like frikandellen and croquette, the Dutch traditions are absolutely awful. So we, we enjoy uh, the cultural differences. Um, our kids are uh, great fun, very lively, and uh, we're very blessed that they already have a, a great faith. And uh, they keep us sharp also with regards to faith. Maybe uh, a conference for, uh, in the future, uh, apologetics for kids. We're now getting really into it. <laughs> but that is maybe for a coffee break. 
Yeah, the light is really bad, but maybe that just means... Oh, yeah. So look at the... If you really want to see the slides, you have to just move a bit. Um, we're also leaders of a missional community, which is like uh, um, life group, some people call it, or gospel group anyway. It's, it's a subgroup within the church. And we're really trying to make the part missional more than just a label. So we are having lots of barbecues and... Um, we're blessed with uh, a refugee camp about a kilometer away or half a kilometer. Um, Jonathan and I really love being with people from all types of nationalities. And since we are living in a very small village, which is uh, quite homogeneously white, uh, was, was, I have to say, middle class, God blessed us with uh, an AZC, a refugee camp, with about uh, 450 refugees from Eritrea and Syria. And since they are now our neighbors, we think that is uh, our new challenge to reach out to these people. So I'm, I'm not going to dwell on uh, this topic very long, um, but I just want to say um, I think God has blessed Jonathan and me with the ability to be able to organize a large group of people with relatively little uh, effort. And so I would encourage you, if you know where your giftings are, also use them outside of your work and outside of the church for things like, indeed, getting a network together to help refugees or whatever. I mean, um, don't limit your, the way you use your gifts to just church and work. So I just want to say the example. We've started a month ago a network for people in the neighborhood who want to do something with refugees um, uh, to link them to the people in the camp who want to have just some friends of the neighborhood or who want somebody to teach them a little bit of Dutch or help them when they move out and they need to put lemonade for the first time in their life. Imagine when you're from Eritrea and they ask you to put lemonade and so that, yeah, they get a bit of help. Uh, in addition, uh, what are normal prices if you need to buy your first fridge ever? Uh, where is a second-hand shop? So those type of things. And we're seeing amazing growth there. We're seeing that lots of people from all types of churches are getting involved. And that lots of also Muslims uh, in the camp are getting really interested. Like, why are you guys doing this? So I really would like to encourage you, especially in the current climate, to reach out there too. Or to use your gifts in, in any area with helping the poor. Um, I'm speaking especially to the ones who are, have the gift of strategies and organization and those type of things. Um, challenge yourself, and God, I'm sure God will bless it if you pray for it. Next one. So, yeah, this is kind of my work. So I love big offshore structures, boats, big machinery. I know I'm not very uh, feminine in that sense. Um, I come, uh, I, w I work... Uh, in an environment where there's a lot of money going around, uh, a lot of power play. Um, let's say I'm now working on a, one of the projects that are in my portfolio are, is about 150 uh, million uh, pounds. So there, there's, there's a lot of money in there, and we have quite a few bigger projects. I've got a team of eight people reporting to me, and we're responsible for projects in the North Sea from the very beginning till the moment it goes to uh, the contractor who makes the work packages and actually starts building. So we don't do the execution, not the actual building. But um, why am I saying that? Because I'm actually, in a way, not really a church pioneer, but I'm a pioneer in the, in the office because uh, part of my work is to initiate new projects, uh, start new strategies, ways of 
also reducing cost. The, uh, most people will know that the oil price is very low, so we need to find new ways of working. Uh, I'm working in an environment with high stress levels because, especially in the current uh, climate, um, we need to reduce everywhere the costs and become more efficient. Um, and I really see this as a great opportunity to be a light and be a witness. Because when you work in an environment like that, people spiral either down, which is the most likely way, or up. So I think as a Christian, it is the ideal opportunity to be a witness because people are dying for a reason to live, for something that's just more than the everyday life, more than the treadmill you sometimes feel you're part of. Yeah, we can do the next one. Just to give you an idea of the magnitude, so all these platforms, wherever there's a project, my team is responsible for kicking it off, coming up with the business case. And, um, yeah, the emotions can really rise. There's a, a, in this industry, can be quite a bit of backstabbing, back uh, trying to get up the ladder through kicking other people down. Uh, and you get plentiful ethical uh, questions, uh, like if somebody um, really sends nasty emails into the company and, and you're kind of accused of something you haven't done, do you send an email back or what do you do? So, but I'm starting to see now, this is actually a great opportunity to indeed be that witness that I always want to be. So now when I see those emails or when somebody says something extremely nasty before I blow up, which I used to do, I now think, you know, can I use this as an opportunity? And I'm absolutely sure I'm not the only one that encounters these situations. And I also believe if it is possible to be a witness in the oil and gas industry, it must be possible in whichever job there is. Next one, please. Oh, yeah, I've not read out the text. I'm slightly dyslectic. I don't like reading out in public. And I do believe most people are able to read. So, um, yeah, I want to briefly discuss with you why is work interesting to talk about. I think some of it I've already discussed in this introduction, so I won't dwell on that very long. Uh, some biblical truth, just so that you know I'm not just waffling. Um, and I would like to spend most of the time on the application. Gert also uh, told me very sternly before I started, you need to put enough time into application. That was your best part. So do tell him if I did a good job. <laughs> He's kind of my mentor a little bit in these type of talks. Uh, and, and I'd like to draw the conclusion then, of course. But uh, after that, I would really also encourage you, if you want to um, discuss it with somebody next to you or whatever, uh, I'm uh, going to give that opportunity and also for prayer. Um, in addition, um, I like very much interactive sessions. So um, if you have questions while I'm going on, please just ask them and we can discuss it. Uh, fairly flexible in, in going through the slides. So I'd rather have, when you have a question, that you raise it as we go than that you wait for the end, because otherwise we get only the questions about the last slide. So if that's okay, let's go. So um, there is this tendency still that God is the God for the Sundays, kind of, and that when you go on Monday to work, you are a different person and, and God becomes very remote. Uh, this, this is from, um, uh, actually, I found out that was not Nicky Gumbel who came up with that uh, uh, quote. He, he stole it from a friend of his who is uh, Ken Costa. 
and I just bought his book. There's a book of Ken Costa, and it's called God at Work. Uh, he's a banker, and he writes about uh, how banking can become God's kingdom if you, if you treat it the right way. Um, talking about books, Mark asked me to plug this book, and I gladly do it, because uh, Every Good Endeavor of Tim Keller is actually a better book even to read than uh, uh, God at Work from uh, Ken Costa. Ken Costa has a bit the tendency to talk very much about himself, Maybe it's the banking industry. Where's I? I heard John was is was a banker, so you might you have to give him some feedback on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Tim Keller's book is really worth reading. Um, he gives a very clear biblical insights why work is important, and I think actually this is my best management book. Well, no, I should say second best management book that I've ever read. The Bible is, I think, the first one. <laughs> So anyway, 14 euros, I believe. I'm getting extra credits from Mark now. Yeah? Okay. Thanks. Anyway, I'm not going to read this one out either. Let's move on. Yeah? Anyway. We'll, uh, so I did a bit of a... Um, I was, while I was thinking about the topic, I realized that a lot of us tend to think about what is my role in God's kingdom, or actually we often think about what plan does God have with me. And first of all, I think the really important question is, how do I fit into God's kingdom? So shift the perspective from me, me, me to God's kingdom. Secondly, we often think about, when we think about God's kingdom, what is my role in the church? And then we often even limit it to the church service and maybe kids' work outside of church and missional community. Um, and uh, really, the amount of... Oh, yeah, I'm actually talking about the wrong slide, but I'll continue anyway. The amount of time we spend in the church service is rather small. Whether it really, What really matters is what do you do with your whole life. So... Um, I've heard that there's quite a few wives and partners of and women um, who work to enable their spouse to be part-time of a full-time church planter. I don't know, does that, this resonate with anybody or did Morris just give me uh, flawed information? <laughs> I think what is very important is when you're indeed as a couple in that situation, that when you are indeed the person who provides the money, it doesn't mean that you're just doing that to give an opportunity for church planting. The, the workplace, whatever work you do, is part of the church planting. And the environment is so ready for a real message, for something higher than we are ourselves, that just give it a try and it'll be quite easy. So don't go to work thinking, I'm just making some money for the church. Actually use it as, a, as an opportunity. On the other hand, I come a little bit from this environment where you had to use your gifts and there was so much pressure on using your gifts that it became the ultimate thing. If we overdo it and um, we're constantly worried whether we have used our gifts to the maximum and whether we uh, have made enough money to show how we've used our gift, then we push God out and that is not it too. That is not the ultimate either. So I've discussed this with a few people, and then the question always is, yeah, how do you find the balance in here? What is the balance? 
So I think thinking about the balance is ultimately wrong. It's not that you should sit somewhere in the middle. You have to have a totally different perspective reality. You have to see work as part of God's kingdom and not a balancing act. It is the extra dimension that you need to look for. So we're not talking about a one-dimensional or two-dimensional. We're talking about three or four-dimensional way. You have to see work with God and and being part of his kingdom. Yeah, next one. I think, yeah, this one. So there's also been traditionally in the church this idea of you have church and you have work. And that too, I think, we need to combine... Uh, the Anglican church is very much geared towards you have the church with the queen as the head of the Church of England who tries to kind of govern over the country or kind of shape the secular society and, and, and create it into something that is relatively decent. That too is um, not, I think, how God intends it. We are asked to be part in this world but not of this world. And that is the next one. Uh, we can just skip through this. And so I think that kind of gives from a from a biblical perspective why, or from a kingdom perspective why we should treat our work with respect and see it uh, as an opportunity to, to share who God is. But then what is also interesting is that there's so much need in the workplace for Christians Um, When I look around in my office, there's so many people that when you talk to them, they're either have had a burnout recently or they seem to be really heading towards burnout. Um, I've had various people uh, that I talk to. When you really get into discussions, you find out they've been suicidal even at times. And, And these seem very normal people, but it's only surface often. There's, um, and that's the next slide. So these are some Dutch uh, statistics, because I did a little bit of research. So at least one in four has burnout symptoms. And apparently in, in care and in uh, um, like the police uh, services, that's even higher. Um, but they also, this is just research, found out that, um, for instance, when you're on your own or um, you're a single parent, it's even worse. It's, it's even easier to get a burnout, but that when you have, um, when your colleagues are really paying attention and, and talking to you, and you have this social network around you, your chances of burnout are a lot lower. So when I saw this, I thought this has to really motivate us to to really reach out to people in need even more in the workplace, because we should be the one at the front line helping out people who are struggling, and and you find out that. Um, yeah, people are so grateful even when you're just ready to have a cup of coffee with them and, and intentionally ask how they're doing, not just, you know, how are you, but not listen to the answer. We, we live in a society where we're kind of trained to not intrude personal space. So we, we think, you know, oh, I see this person struggling or this person is kind of gearing towards total destruction but it's his personal choice. He is an adult. And in reality, what this person is doing, he or she is running towards a minefield and, or, or towards the cliff. Or as Angela said, we are in a war and this person is indeed running into 
the enemy. So I think my plea is don't just stick with what is the norm or what is socially accepted. Sometimes you really need to sit down with somebody and say, look, I know it is none of my business, but I clearly see you're struggling. Do you want to have a talk about it? I want to give a, an anecdote. Um, uh, my son, he's eight years old, and he saw me pack my stuff for work, and he said, so where are you going to work? I said, yeah, yeah, well, I am, of course, every day. Um, oh, okay. Are you going to be talking about God at work? Well, I was thinking, well, I doubt I have any opportunities. <laughs> and he said, well, you should, Mom, because if nobody speaks to them about God and you don't do it, they might go to hell. And that sounds quite severe, <laughs> but it did get me to think. I thought, you know, you and I may be the only person they're going to meet who is a Christian, you know? If you don't take that opportunity, you don't know if there's somebody else who's going to do it. I, uh, in the workplace, there are, there are quite few Christians, so it means that when you are there as a Christian, you have a huge responsibility we compete for a place on the stage often in church, but I think we should focus more on the areas where the real battlefield is and, and step out and, and really be a witness. And that doesn't always mean that you need to stand up and wave your Bible around. That means, I think, first of all, show that you care. Show that you are ready to, to make some decisions which are career-limiting to give the other person a chance to be able to protect instead of only think about yourself. Um, it, it also means that when you're in a coaching discussion, you're able to, in a loving way, really drill down to where the problem is instead of just saying, oh, yeah, you're doing a good job, and thinking, oh, this was terrible. It, it, it requires courage and honesty, but, but you have to do it from God's love. And even when you don't say, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm born again, people will come and ask you, why are you different? What, why are you doing this? Why did you protect me in that meeting even though you didn't have to and um, yeah you can really create change well I mean you or I are not the ones of course God can use us to create change which is bigger than we can imagine yeah next one please so while I was studying this um, what I really like is, is why I'm so passionate about this is not just because it's me but we are created in God's image, and God loved work. work. He worked even before the fall. He, he is the ultimate gardener in a way. He loved to create, and he's created human beings to work too. So work is not something that popped up after the fall and is um, bad in itself. We could possibly in heaven still be working, but it certainly will be a work that doesn't actually uh, become a burden. So, um, yeah, we can, I would say, read through the whole of Genesis 1 to 3, and you will find enough evidence that we are created to work. Work gives us dignity, and God created work in a, in a beautiful way. But with the fall, work became broken too, together with the whole of creation. But with redemption, work too will be redeemed, and the way we, we see that. I like this one too because um, my father uh, is always at work till this day and I, I too am working. So what we're doing is we're imaging God. It is not just to make money, 
the money bit is actually well we need some money and it's also nice to bless people with money and the status is also not why we're doing it we're doing it for God essentially work is, is worship and as long as you see it as such the way you do it will be also a godly way you will not go to the extremes of either moaning when you go to work or working yourself to death in addition the one in Corinthians it doesn't really matter what you do so I'm, I'm blessed that I have a job which I really enjoy doing and it also pays quite well but if you are for instance a nanny or uh, you are indeed a gardener or you're a cleaner or you have a totally unpaid job in God's kingdom it really doesn't matter what you do it's the way you do it that counts and um, so I really hope people are not going to switch off and think yeah uh, this is not for me I don't, I've not met anybody yet who can say that this message is not for them we all work and we all have to be part of God's kingdom next one please yeah and, and has anybody watched the chariots of fire it's, it's a really interesting movie there's this Eric little guy who uh, and, and there's this man I just I always think of him as Sherlock Holmes the other runner and the one is just doing it for himself and Eric little is doing it for God and he um, yeah it's, it's just beautiful that he says I I run because God has made me to run when I run I glorify God um, and, and that's also how I see work I am in my personal work uh, it is something because I am creating in a way and I'm helping people to grow and I'm changing the culture uh, it is what God intended me to do and by doing so I glorify God but it could also indeed be as it says at the bottom peeling a spud to perfection or we have three young kids and we've had I think mountains of nappies in total changing a nappy it can also be to God's glory it doesn't always have to be glamorous to be to God's glory <laughs> next one please and so yeah the way I see it if you if you want to really make a difference in the workplace I think what is most of all important is, is prayer don't try to do it on your own do it while praying pray doesn't always for everybody need to be in a quiet place with the door closed it can be as you go to a difficult meeting or as you cycle or drive to work uh, when you're um, in complex uh, ethical uh, issues going on and um, I think what is very important is that you really love the people you're working with that whatever you say you say it out of love even in the difficult situations I have uh, an example that I really struggled with uh, well there's actually a few people I really struggled with at work because um, I'm really trying to push through change that we work in a different way uh, more effectively so that we eventually need less people and make more money and um, I've, I've done that to some, I've done it in a few teams quite effectively so I tripled the output of the team we worked in now but what happens when you try to create change is there's all types of people who don't want it because change is difficult 
And um, God hasn't blessed me with uh, patience. Patience is something that I probably need lots of prayer for. <laughs> and so um, uh, there were a few characters who didn't want to go along. They were just trying to frustrate the whole thing. And I was getting so angry at these people to the extent that I found myself even at times, you know, having the tendency to gossip. And um, fortunately, I'm enough of a Christian that I can kind of avoid that to some extent, but I got pretty close. Uh, and I think it was actually you, Angela, or someone that you said, have you tried praying for those people? <laughs> Don't want to pray for them. They might actually get saved. <laughs> but I knew that wasn't the right response, so I repented. But you sometimes have this little voice that you think, I'm surely not that they really don't deserve being prayed for. And and God doesn't need people like that in his kingdom. But I did. And the amazing thing is, is that actually I don't even think those people have even changed, but God changed me. Which was very, in a way, humiliating because I didn't think I needed change. I thought I was pretty good. But when you do pray as you work, you will see people through God's eyes and you will see even the cleaner through God's eyes and the way you deal with people will become totally different to the extent that it starts to become noticeable and and you will get questions why why is that why are you not angry and that that gives you opportunities to start conversations I think as a Christian When God really challenges you in the workplace, you have to have also more courage than anybody at work. It means you might also have to bring the difficult messages. You might have to stand up against injustice in the workplace. And, yeah, the only cover you often have is God. Sometimes you're really on your own. But I've never regretted it when I did it. You need also huge amounts of humility and forgiveness to be able to do it. I think that's where Christians can really excel at work because humility is not something that's... and listening and and forgiveness is not something that's common in most workplaces. And endurance. I think usually this is a long-distance race. It's an ultra-marathon rather than a sprint. Sometimes you get the opportunity of indeed sprinting and you see great change in a short time. But most of all, it's just persevering, going on, And I think Steph called it hacking away. I can resonate with that. It is often just hacking away endlessly. But if you pray with God and you know you're doing the right thing, he gives you strength to to get there. And uh, amazing things can happen. Next one. Oh, yes, that's the application bit. (laughs) Well, let me start with that now. So there's there's actually... um, I want to discuss a few things with application. Uh, First of all, I see the main Christian uh, principles are based on the Bible. So the difference between the secular world and the Bible is not as large as you think. And it can give you opportunities to actually enter uh, into people's lives and and explain uh, from a business point of view why it's a good idea to maybe think about what you believe. One of the things I discussed this in LEAD that I find quite interesting is this guy... Uh, I think he's an American guy, he's quite well paid, and he has this fantastic theory, which people watch his YouTube, uh, sorry, his TED Talks all over the world, and uh, he's really famous. 
He's called uh, Simon Sinek, and he comes up with this theory. He calls it the golden circles, and he says he's invented it. Here we have the what, the how, and the why. So what he comes up with is that a lot of companies know only the what. So they know they make, for instance, phones or computers, but they don't know how they do it, what is the way, what is their plan, what is their strategy. They certainly don't know why. So he uses Apple as an example of a company that understands the why. They want to be innovative, uh, challenge the status quo. They do it through creating beautiful products. And by the way, they create phones. So what he does is he draws the analogy to if you want to be effective as a leader, you have to understand your why. The funny thing is he, this guy uses Martin Luther King as, as a great leader, but doesn't understand still why Martin Luther King attracted so many people to his speeches of I have a dream. And I was thinking, first of all, this is not his idea. God in his Bible is all about the why. We as a Christian have more knowledge of the why than anybody uh, in your at your work. Uh, this guy, Simon Sinek, comes to the conclusion it's good to have a why, but he has no idea what the why should be. He just says, it's a good idea if you think about it. But he can't help people. You just notice with the talk, he can't help people to actually reach that why. And, and to some extent, I saw that. And one, I felt sorry for the guy, although he still makes a lot of money. Two, I realized we have so much to give. I mean, this man, people come and listen to this man who can only say that you need to have a why. We actually know what this why is. Why are we not out there giving TED Talks and telling people the real message? And okay, not everybody is gifted to do a TED Talk. I, I personally wouldn't like to do one. But when we have the opportunity, we've got to discuss also in the workplace what our personal why is. Um, I, I had a session with my team and we did discuss this and I used it as a starting point to explain, well, my why is because I'm a Christian and I feel the reason why I'm here at work is to create like God created and um, to, to be able to help other people to grow further like yourselves and, and to grow new next good leaders who may even get further than I get. And it was so. And I said to these people, I said, okay, I know I'm not going to ask you to become a Christian overnight. Yeah, I would like it, but, but can you please start thinking about what is this for you before you're in your midlife crisis? And the interesting part was you think you have no entry into, in the workplace to talk about your faith. It is not difficult. It really isn't. People were so grateful for the talk or this discussion. And... Yeah, not everybody, of course, shared the same faith, but people really started to think about it. And we had a very interesting lunch conversation with the whole team about what is the reason for life. And um, out of that, yeah, they actually came to me afterwards to thank say, yeah, this is really good. I really enjoyed that. And that really helps me just to kind of think things through. Um, a young guy in my team has set up the next lunch informal meeting where he's going to talk about what his reason is for life and I think see so sometimes it is well I should take a step back I've, I've for 10 to 12 years always been looking for the open doors that God would provide 
And I've recently discovered God doesn't always give open doors. He sometimes does it. Uh, He sometimes does give you open doors. But for most of us, because we're not created as robots, God gives you a door, puts a doorknob onto it, and actually asks you to grab it, do something, open the door, and push. But he makes sure it's unlocked. Well, for me, this was a, a revelation that I realized, you know... And I should have realized this 10 years ago. So that's why I'm talking to you. I hope it doesn't take you 10 years. I realized all I need to do is grab that door handle, turn it, and, and, and open it. It is not difficult. really isn't. And when you see that it works with one door, all of a sudden you see all these doors around, which must have been there before, but I just didn't see it. So when you say, ah, nice for you and all that, but I don't get those opportunities, I would say pray and you will get the opportunities and they are actually been there all along but you will see them another one which is interesting is that uh, we are uh, judged against our leadership attributes it's called Uh, this is a new thing and it's very important Uh, the first one is authenticity the second one is collaboration then there's one that's called growth and performance this one People struggle with a lot. That one, collaboration, working together with people, also difficult. Growth means introducing new ways of working, new technology, a little bit less. And performance, that is just, you know, the bottom line, making money. Um, And the authenticity part, when you read through the description, what it says is have a reason why you're doing what you're doing. Um, Have something higher than yourself. Uh, that that can motivate people being able to inspire yet stay curious Uh, and every time I get assessed against it um, through uh, other people they they can give you feedback on that I always score extremely high on that and they say well what is your secret I think well it's no secret plus it's not actually me all you're seeing is a bit of God shines through what I do All all it takes is 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 for you to to get to know God and you will be a lot more authentic than I am and now I'm just saying this just to, to let you know people are yearning for a reason to live there is there are ample opportunities to, to enter into somebody's lives and, and get the connection um, I think another way to really get breakthrough is which is a very important one is in the one-to-one talks so when you're with either in a coaching session mentoring session or you have somebody in your team uh, who needs a bit of uh, help or whatever or you just take somebody out for a lunch um, I have an interesting anecdote there's a girl who a Chinese girl who just joined our uh, department and she uh, wanted a, a half hour talk with me to just introduce herself I thought yeah fine um, Ten minutes into the talk, she kind of asked me, we weren't talking about work at all, she kind of asked me if we could kind of coach them in their marriage. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait, I'm not quite ready for this. We didn't, but what we found out is that they were newly married, and she's married to a Dutch bloke, and they have all the cultural issues. But I think, you know, when, when you show that you're willing to listen... God can really give you huge opportunities. So I went, I phoned my husband. I said, "Um, yeah, do we have time on Friday? Because we're doing a marriage counseling. Oh, okay. Um, Who is it? Well, it's a Chinese lady and she's married to somebody. No idea who. And um, 
that dress I also don't know but I feel we have to do this and my husband is really a fantastic guy so he said sure yeah why, why not um, and the amazing thing is is we, um, we've had them over now two or three times we spent the whole evening on apologetics it was um, he, he's been a Catholic uh, bef- uh, a long time ago and sh- she is a real Confucianist uh, she believes absolutely nothing but they both, I think the reason they struggled in their marriage is because they didn't know what they were living for. So we ended up till 11 o'clock discussing how do you combine evolution with a creator God? Uh, is there such a thing as sin? What is your own responsibility versus God who steers us? Um, and this was after a 10, 20 minute talk in the workplace. So I think one of the things you have to realize is that... Um, you need to also invite people of work into your private life. There's no such thing as um, private and work separately. It is all one. God is one God, and he expects us to give our whole life to him. So one of the things you have to do as a Christian, I think, is when you meet um, people in the workplace who need encouragement, ask them over for a barbecue or invite them to a party or have indeed an evening of apologetics with them and (laughs) by the way if you want to be prepared for this if you start praying to be used in the workplace better start reading as soon as you can on on especially apologetics because it really does help you Uh, I have also some interesting uh, books on that if you you want that but um, I think after the first evening with, with that couple, I also had a lunch with, uh, with her in the office, and we started again talking about why are we live. And I said to her, the reason I live is um, I live for Christ, I live for God. And then in that, in that perspective, um, the, the, my role as a wife, as a mother, and, and my role at work fits in underneath that. And, and she said right there in the office almost screaming it out while we were having lunch in the canteen that is what I want that is I've been searching for this all my life a reason to live that is what I really need and she's indeed one of the people who said yeah I've, I've, I've been oh, struggling so much with depression and now they're not there yet but um, I just want to say if, if you don't speak up you're going to not notice either that these people are there yearning for a reason to live another example is um, a guy who really struggles with uh, uh, that he he victimizes himself and gets angry very quickly at other people because of that and um, I saw it happen over and over again that he got into really serious fights with people and he kept on getting angry at other people not respecting him and I knew he was a, that he's, he's a Catholic, but, but quite a nominal Catholic. And I said to him, look, uh, you've read plenty full management books, and obviously you're still struggling. Have you considered actually reading your Bible and praying? <laughs> and, and the guy looked at me and said, that's the weirdest advice I've ever had. <laughs> and I said to him, well, what do you expect? I mean, were you planning to only do that for Sunday or uh, if you read your Bible you see it's for your whole life it's not just for your Sunday uh, what you do oh yeah yeah that's true the guy really uh, 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 there wasn't all of a sudden a uh, total change or anything and at some point it, it 
deteriorated further. Um, and I sa said to him, you know, you should probably talk to one of the medics in the office because you seem very stressed. And uh, he, um, he went to talk to the medic and he had part partial breakdown and uh, had a number of really difficult conversations probably with the medic who then started sending me emails that I was his source of, of stress because I was so confronting in the things I said. So I thought, man, I've really blown it. This was very stupid to, for me to kind of also really try to uh, discuss his, his, the way he saw himself and ask him to start reading the Bible. Um, he, after a few weeks, he came back and, and we had a talk and we kind of cleared the air. Um, I managed to explain to him that I really kind of tried to help him, that, that I discussed the difficult topics out of love. And I think he, he, he realized that. And then I asked him, you know, what are you going to do differently now? Because you have to prevent this from happening again. You have to prevent new fights from starting. And um, yeah, he said to me, yeah, it's interesting you asked this. Um, yeah, while I was at home, I realized uh, I should start reading the Bible. <laughs> and by the way, I've also started reading uh, uh, Augustinus. What is that in English? Uh, Augustine. I've not actually started on that myself, but anyway, go for it. <laughs> and he said, by the way, I now go to the Mass, but I also go to Pentecostal Church uh, locally. And so sometimes you think that you don't see the instant result, and it may even get worse than it was, but it doesn't mean that God is not at work. There is, yeah, I... This is just a few examples, but I can see real transformation with, with the individuals around me. Um, even um, my team was very curious to know why. Why was I taking two days off? We're not school holiday. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to this uh, conference of uh, the churches nearby, of uh, our group of churches, and um, I didn't think anything of it, but I just saw a few emails from uh, in the break a few emails from people in my team so how's your conference going on how's it going well so we we think we shouldn't be talking about this stuff but a lot of people are really interested and actually very curious to know yeah more about God I've got um, there's another person at my work um, and the people who've done lead heard this example already but I think it's too good to not tell other people uh, so there's, there's also a guy, um, he had, uh, well, he still has uh, MS. And uh, at some point he asked me to do a mentoring session with him, which I thought, well, okay, sure, fine, we do it. Um, and he's, I sat down with him and he just opened up and his marriage was on the rocks. He had just decided he was not going to commit suicide, but he still feel, felt terrible. Um, he had a fight with his previous uh, boss. He had fights all over the company, actually. Um, yeah, he was really considering running away from the family, um, etc. His health was deteriorating. Uh, and he didn't see his parents already for years because he was in fights with them, too. And I thought, you know, you can't do the standard mentoring with somebody who is in such misery who who where life is so terrible plus we only had half an hour and he talked for 25 minutes discussing this i thought either i can just run out of here and hope he never comes back or i've got to do something the day before i prayed that god would really use me at work so i guess it was my own fault too 
So I thought, okay, let's do it. So I said, well, I don't have any solution for you, obviously, because you've already seen a psychologist, you've already seen a neurologist, they've all given up on you. All I can say is the only light at the end of the tunnel can be God, and I can discuss that with you because I'm a believer, but I have nothing else to offer you. And to my great surprise, he said, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. Because uh, I've not told you, but um, a, a month ago or so, I had to have a scan of my brain because, uh, because it's been damaged through the MS. And, and I don't really know the God you're talking about, but I had the idea when I was lying there in this, this capsule thing that I had to pray. So I prayed for my family. Um, and while I was being scanned, uh, they saw it was something like 11 uh, places light, light up in his brain reduced to two during the scan and the specialist just had no idea what, go, what went on they just said freak freak thing sometimes this happens um, but it didn't mean he'd become a Christian he'd become a Christian straight away but I think God then decided okay I've, I've given this guy quite a bit of healing next step is that he needs to find a Christian and that was me so it was God who took the first step and I was just part of his plan so over, over time, uh, we had a few more uh, sessions. We had about one or two a month, and they were always half an hour, so not, not very much longer than that. Um, and I put on his uh, phone uh, Nicky Gumbel's Bible in one year, not thinking anything of it, but he actually started to read it every day, and then apping me certain parts and then uh, praying. Um, and, and at some point, we were in the discussion, and I realized this guy actually really believes. He, he, had a, he had, actually has in a way still a baby faith but the essentials are there he doesn't really dare to go to church yet that's the next step um, but yeah he's, he's really become a Christian and now he's learning that because he's now Christian he needs to transform his way that he is in the family that he needs to be, give more instead of just taking he needs to start thinking about his family rather than just thinking about himself um, and I really pray he does find a community uh, of Christians around him to help him grow but um, I, mean, I don't understand you know this, he's also experienced uh, through the, the year that, that we've been talking um, uh, also physical healing not not complete but yeah actually his symptoms of MS are getting better instead of worse so I just want to explain to you you know this people like this are not just only in my at my work they are around anybody who interacts. And, and there's so many people dying for a reason to live. And there's so many people with marriages on the cliffs or, or, or um, near burnouts that uh, the, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So I really think we, we, we need to step out in that space where there are very few and, and really make the difference. Uh, the other part I wanted to discuss is that don't think that you're on your own. You can really create a change with regards to the work culture. So even though um, there, there's a few Christians in my team, but mo mostly not, but still the, my team is now, because I'm, I'm able to be a role model as a, as a supervisor, they are starting to act like Christians. And um, so they're actually starting to take care of each other and they're starting to, to not get into... Uh, arguments with, for instance, the, the party that receives the work after us, but they work with that party. Um, and I've got people from um, other departments come and say, look, 
there's something really odd happening to your team and we don't understand it. So, so what's your formula? And, and those are great openings to kind of talk about, yeah, it is my, my, my faith in God. Um, there was uh, a workshop about stress management and somebody asked me if I could do a talk on, on that, what is my stress management. And I thought, yeah, I can easily do that, you know, and I will always end up with that, indeed, uh, it is God. Because I am very, actually quite stress resilient, and it is because, I think it really is because I trust in God. But I thought, let's not do that, because a lot of people know I'm a Christian. And um, I have a very good friend of mine at work, she's a, she's a Russian lady. Uh, she became a Christian through just picking up a New Testament uh, but she's very private Christian, so she doesn't go to church, and she doesn't really speak about it. But I said to this girl, you know, ask her. Ask her to give, the t- give a story about stress management. And I didn't pre-discuss it with the Russian lady, but I did pray. And um, I was sitting there, and there was a big group like this, and she gave her talk. And uh, she started the normal thing, like, don't get into the victim role, blah, blah, blah. Never think it's the other person's fault. Look at yourself. And then she went quiet, and then she said, essentially the reason why I am where I, where I am and the reason I didn't have a burnout long ago uh, is, is because I believe in God. And nobody expected it of her, and it was that quiet. And still people are talking about that talk of hers. And it, um, it was so beautiful because um, for me that was also a sign that when you step out and are willing to be a Christian, other people will be able to step out and, and be able to, to also shine and you will see that you're not on your own. There's, there's really a lot more Christians around who just struggle to make that first step. And, and this was by her saying this, then the next person over lunch said, you know what, I'm actually also a Christian. And, and, and through that, you see that the work, well, because once people have said they're a Christian, they've got to also then show through their work that, and the decisions they take that they really are a true Christian. So we, I, I'm seeing real transformation and in the workplace through, through yeah, just m- being able to inspire other people to, to talk about their faith. And it is not in the rosy uh, uh, kind of airbrushed way. It is just, you know, we're still business people, uh, but we, you can still be be ethically sound and, and make a difference and care about the people. Then my last part about this is um, I think there's also huge opportunity when you get the time to speak in public or for a large crowd, uh, even if it's a totally secular company. Not everybody will get that opportunity, but I think it is good to to be ready for it when it comes and and to grab it. And and that I would like to use as the kind of closure of the talk. So I've got a few of those opportunities, but one time I think was quite special because um, I was asked for a recruitment event for especially uh, technical, high-educated women, and they said, oh, you're a great role model, blah, 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 you go do it. And I thought, oh no, this is only one of those terrible things. But I, I really felt God was asking me to use that opportunity. And uh, <clears throat> I was there with three lay. We were with three of us, and we were each supposed to talk ten minutes. And the first lady started, 
well, you know, when I was in kindergarten, it was really obvious that I was incredibly good. And so I got handpicked out of secondary school. And, you know, as a graduate in the company, I already shone. And I was so incredibly intelligent. And I, this is, that's the reason why I am where I'm now. And, and, and these are very usual talks. And so the, the second, second person did kind of like a similar talk. And everyone was like, oh, okay. And I'd, I knew this was going to happen, and I had really prayed about it, and I really um, felt I had to make a difference. So my talk was like this. I started in the company I work for now thinking I was really incredibly good because um, I'd done development work, and uh, I'd done big things, and I knew I was gifted with some brain power and some will to live. So I was going to do this, and I was going to change it. I ended up in operations where nobody was waiting for me. And um, my first appraisal was the lowest you can ever get. It was, um, you can't actually get that low anymore now in the company. I was extremely angry because obviously nobody appreciated how good I was. And, and I wasn't getting the opportunities I needed to, to show how incredibly intelligent I was. And this, of course, goes together with also deep insecurity um, after some years of struggling through and, and gritting my teeth and, and being angry, uh, my husband and I, we ended up in, in Nigeria. We got the opportunity to, to work there, and I really felt, you know, I'm going to show these Nigerians that really make a difference there and, and, and do something meaningful. Um, and I very quickly, quickly realized that a lot of these people were so much better than me. And some of my best friends were, were, are still Nigerian. And um, it, was, it was a deeply humiliating experience because I didn't actually achieve anything in a year, uh, anything meaningful. I created simulation models that I don't think anybody's ever used afterwards uh, for a year long. But um, what, what I experienced was, um, yeah, that... The reason I'm working is not for myself. And it was actually a friend of mine. I was, we, were, we had to be evacuated because a car bomb went off. And the company asked all the expats to leave the country. And, and I was deeply frustrated because I thought, I've not achieved anything. I was really going to make a difference. Uh, and I haven't. And my Nigerian friend said, have you ever thought about that the reason you are here is maybe not for yourself? Maybe you are here for, for instance because you gave me the opportunity to get to know you and you've kind of that's the food probably shouldn't forget the food <laughs> and and through that she she actually helped me to kind of start to get a perspective shift yeah so over time I learned that the reason we are that I am where I am is not for myself it is what I can do for other people well, and by through actually focusing more on the other people I have actually been able to grow faster through my career than I've ever done and so my message was if you're a leader focus on how you can train other leaders rather than focus on how you can move up as quickly as possible uh, and actually, in a way, I was giving the talk of the, the prodigal son, and I was being both sons at the same time. And so people, um, it went totally quiet after I'd given the talk. And then 
everybody started and I got a standing ovation and after the the session was finished they all jumped on me <laughs> and said that this was the best management talk ever that was not a management talk <laughs> <laughs> but if God can use can kind of bring the prodigal son to the workplace or in my case I was the prodigal daughter and, and use somebody like me who has for years been arrogant and um, insecure and, and not really listening to God um, and yeah if God can use me he can use anybody in this room really and I, I, I'm deeply grateful to my friend who is now actually she's also in New Frontiers the friend in Nigeria in uh, the church in The Hague that she was one of the people who kind of brought it home to me that my perspective was flawed so I think also we should help each other in this in, in this journey to coach each other and, and to also take away idols out of each other's life and especially when you're dealing with a lot of money and stress it's very easy to slip back into this idea that we have to do it ourselves or we have to get a huge career or whatever I think we really need to help each other to keep their focus on God rather than on ourselves or the money or whatever so I am very grateful to this friend um, but I also want to be that person to other people and yeah I really pray that every one of us will go to work if it is indeed work for the church or voluntary work or work as a banker or, or in the oil and gas industry it really doesn't matter I really would like to see every one of us take up the challenge do it with God and, and, and push some doors open some doors and, and see what happens uh, I would like to say if you do pray like I did that God would use me you better hold on tight because often he does give you a roller coaster ride but it is all worth it yeah Well, thanks. There, there was opportunity during the session to ask questions, but it didn't happen. <laughs> anyway, would la people like to ask questions now, or is there more appetite to... Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of appetite. Or, or would we like to just give each other the opportunity to, to pray for each other? I'm, I'm fine with either. I'm looking at you. Yeah. And that is, but I think uh, um, one of the reasons I also asked if I could raise the topic at lead is because um, I think if, if we just give this message to enough people, the people will stand up that have this passion. And plus, I also think it is like with prophecy. Like I have a lot of passion for this, but I think every one of us has to do it. There's not, some people have a bit more of the passion, but every one of us, it's also a responsibility. It's not always only a gift. Some people have a bit more gifting, but it's the responsibility of every person. Anybody else? 
I expect the lead people to come with the extra difficult ones because you, you've heard some stuff for the second time. Hello. Yeah. Uh, well, for a TED talk, it, it's very good, I would, I would, would say. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm in the lucky uh, position that on my job I have hours that I can wait and sit and wait for patients to come in the ambulance sector. So that's very lucky. I'm talking a lot. But one of the problems I do have is, is about the, the you're talking about people and you have to, you have to, to work perfect and things uh, like that. Especially the reformed legalistic uh, brethren, I would say, they are working so hard. I think because of their faith and their, uh, they, want to, they want to be perfect and they have, in the end of the day, they have a burnout. Yeah. How can we what would you say what we can do as, as a church to, to stop that, to prevent that? Yeah, I think what, is, what has been very important for me is, is to understand God's kingdom. So I, I think what, what helped for me was to understand that work should also not become the ultimate goal. It is part of God's kingdom. So I think when when try to discuss those things with somebody, I would start at making people understand God's kingdom. I'm a great fan of uh, Tom Wright. Um, and, and not everybody's... He's quite, quite... His writing is not super easy. But he also has done some excellent uh, lectures at Fuller Seminary and some YouTube uh, kind of shorter talks. And, and for me, when I started to understand, it, it's not about getting that balance right or, 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 or developing my gifts to the ultimate. It is not about me, in fact, at all. It is about where I fit in God's kingdom. And so I think when you're talking to these type of people, I think when they understand it's not about them, it is about God's kingdom and how they fit in there, then I think over time the perspective will shift. And I would say pray for them. It sounds like a very easy answer. But I've, I've seen really changes changes things and then you also get the openings to talk about it anybody else yeah so you've mentioned a lot of examples about uh, how to influence the workplace as a, as a supervisor and into the, the team you lead yeah. and how to, to change a culture how to bring in a, a culture into that team yeah how have you had any experience or uh, influencing the other way? So influencing cultures into your managers, into yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have, I've had that too, indeed, and that is where the part where you need to have courage, because um, when I've seen stuff that I didn't think was right. I have gone up to, to supervisors or, or people kind of either my direct supervisor or people higher in the organization say we really have to address this but I've always tried to do it in a relatively humble way so not like oh I know everything and by the way I'd like to have another career step but I think if you try to shape it such that you make it obvious that you really care about the people rather than yourself you're not doing it for yourself um, it is also possible to, to do that. So uh, the examples are um, that I, yeah, this is a little bit difficult to explain, but for instance, one of the things I see is that there's a, in our company, there's a lot of parties who are doing the same thing, 
And there's at a higher level uh, in the asset, there's a lot of fights between the top leaders. And because they're not role modeling, the people below are not role modeling, and they're also fighting. So um, I saw this when I entered that asset, and I thought, I've got to speak up, because everybody at the lower levels was talking about it, but nobody did anything. So uh, I did go to all three of those leaders that are in continuous fights, and that was not an easy thing. So I did go, and I said, look, I know my position, and I know you're about three steps higher, uh, but I'm relatively new, and I think it also would benefit you if, if, if we can discuss this, but I really feel that... Um, there's probably uncon your unconscious behavior with the other two people creates um, a culture of, of clash and confrontation rather than working together. Um, I have to say that the result wasn't extraordinary when I had those three talks. It wasn't as though everything all of a sudden changed, but it did see some small changes. Um, and I felt for me that at least somebody had to be able to say that. Uh, but in those conversations, you really have to... What I do is I, I practice them and I pray them through and always try to do it with humility, not like, yeah, I'm, I'm the guru, I know all this, and, and I would actually like to do your job, by the way. I think it's just always have to try to stay away from that. But it is, it is possible. It's very difficult, indeed. I, I, I was drenched in sweat with all three of those talks when I came out. I'm still not sure whether I handled it well uh, because always in those conversations you seem to never find exactly the right words. But I felt, you know, that at least they saw it was from the heart and that I really wanted the, the organization to gel. Um, and they did all, th all three thank me for it. And I think I've also grown for having, through having these conversations, but it is, it is tough. Okay, last question. Um, perhaps a, a related question, um, and maybe slightly shifting off topic. Um, uh, in terms of the organization that one works for, um, you know, you spoke about maybe seeing some kind of things you didn't agree with within the management. Um, but how, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on the overall organization's aim, strategy, and I'm not asking particularly from an oil and gas yeah, perspective, yeah, yeah. But, but just ge generally, you know, you, I think when you work, you, there's, a, there's a level to which you've got to be committed to the organization, um, and, but there's also, you know, the fine line of how, how yeah. much can you do that. Yeah, um, I think if I look at my own organization where I work, I don't agree with everything that happens uh, but if I compare it to other companies, I think it's an ethically okay company. But since the company is, is a collection of people, of which I am part of it too, so I am also the, the company, uh, I believe there's very few companies that will be good in every sense. Um, and I also believe that we need Christians in every place of society. So uh, instead of saying, uh, you know, it's going to be easier ethically to work for Christian companies, some NGO or so, I really felt called to work in a multinational to, to create change from inside, even though I don't agree with everything. But I think I, I'm also, I keep on challenging myself, and, and Jonathan and I, my husband and I, keep on discussing it, that when we really feel it's ethically wrong, I should be able to give up my job, which would mean... Uh, a lot less salary, of course, so, but I always try to um, realize the job is not the ultimate thing. 
because as soon as it becomes the ultimate thing, then what I'm saying here is totally rubbish. I mean, then it, it's got to be God. So I think for, there's no there's no black and white answer because sometimes Christians are asked to work in in companies which are not good because well don't do everything well because they've got to create the change and if they're not going to do it who is going to do it but then there's always a fine line when you become part of the problem and you have to be ready to indeed while you're discussing it with God know when you do really need to step out or when not but I, I'm personally not a quitter so I think it would take quite a lot of uh, terrible misery and whatever for me to uh, to be willing to take that step I always believe there's hope Thank you.